meth, cocaine, pot, heroin, LSD, DMT, mushrooms, and many more. Recreational drug use is our topic for the month of July. In this episode, we're going to explore the ethical dilemmas within the criminal justice system, behavioral health system, and how our society deals with those who fancy a few of the more potent substances. There is no question that drugs can be destructive and that addiction kills thousands a year. But is the correct way to handle it with a prison cell or a criminal record? Should the government have the right to dictate what we ingest and does it matter why we ingest it? Are there external factors when consuming drugs and where's the line? Lots of states have begun to soften their tune on marijuana usage, but thousands still sit in prison for its use or sale. Countless studies have shown that marijuana and mushrooms, both natural substances, have much less harmful effect than both tobacco and alcohol, yet remain listed alongside drugs like cocaine and meth. We're interested in diving into what makes this conversation tick and why there's been slow movement on adequately addressing the opioid epidemic and failures of the war on drugs. What does your gut tell you about addressing recreational drug use? Should people be allowed to do what they want and seek help if they need it? Should there be strict restrictions on drugs with heavy punishments? Or is there a happy medium that our system has yet to figure out? Regardless of your position, progress begins with conversation. Enjoy the show. In my experience, conversations are best had with a glass of whiskey. Join me, Alan Kogan, as I engage in meaningful discussions while enjoying a glass of my favorite spirit. Welcome to the Kogan Conversation. So Grant and I had actually planned on sampling each drug and sampling pieces or clips together and having different interactions with each other. We thought it would make for a fairly entertaining podcast, <laughs> but obviously, you know, we're joking. We're, we figured the uh, consequences would be a little too steep, but that's the crux of what this episode is going to be about, consequences for drug use. Maybe there should be a reality in which we can get on a podcast and do a bunch of different drugs and have a good time. I mean, hell, Joe Rogan has made a living off of selling the idea of, of, of using DMT as a spiritual awakening. You know, how often he smoked marijuana on the show, often getting people like Elon Musk in trouble on, on the podcast. But regardless... Consequences for drug use are what we need to discuss because we're autonomous adults who, who can make our own decisions. Does the government have a right or is it the right way to handle drug use by adding a criminal record or sentence to someone who makes a choice to ingest something into their own body? Now, we've all seen the social media posts and public outcries regarding wrongful sentence lengths and mass incarcerations, especially when it comes to people of minority status or people who are impoverished and can't afford a good lawyer, including nonviolent drug offenders as the number one reason why you know there's public outcry. Someone who sells or, or has a little bit of marijuana or cocaine in their pocket or in their car, the book is thrown at them. From my own personal interactions, people across the political spectrum agree that we aren't handling these situations in the best way. In fact, look at the support for Shakari Richardson, the U.S. track runner who's been barred from competing in the Olympics for having some THC in her system. She admitted to smoking pot, even though she knew the rules, to cope with her mother's death. Almost everyone has stated that, well, yeah, the rules are the rules. The rules are stupid. Perhaps our society is ready to accept marijuana. But what about drugs like meth or cocaine? The bigger discussion here is how to help those who need help in the most compassionate and effective way, along with breaking through the stigma that many face when it comes to addiction. We can debate the idea of my body, my choice when it comes to drug use, as well as the potential mental health benefits from microdosing certain hallucinogens. But our system is set up to punish people rather than build and help them. Conversations surrounding this topic must be open and honest, and more importantly, we have to follow the science. But before we get into the discussion, a word from our most important sponsor.
This episode is brought to you by our favorite drug, alcohol. We enjoy conversations more when there's a drink in our hand. Picture us at a fancy cigar lounge or in the brandy room of the Titanic discussing a myriad of issues, solving all of the world's problems as the masters of the universe that we are. For this conversation, I'm enjoying a glass of scotch, Talisker's Distiller's Edition from 2020. The Talisker Distillery has been around since 1830, operating out of the Isle of Skye off the coast of Scotland. This year's iteration of the Distiller's Edition is a 10-year-old single malt finished in Amoroso sherry casks. Sweet candy flavors coat the classic peat smoke profile Talisker's known for. Rounded off with a rich and complex palette of butterscotch, espresso, and baking spices. This is definitely a worthwhile dram. Now, while we enjoy the occasional glass of whiskey, alcohol can be a very detrimental drug if overconsumed. Please join us in drinking responsibly and help spread awareness of local community advocates who aim to curb the awful disease known as addiction. Working together, we can help others get the help they so often don't even know exists. Now, let's get back to the show. Cheers. All right, Grant. Recreational drug use. How many drugs do you use and what are your favorite? Well, I'm a teetotaler, so I don't drink or do drugs. You're um, such a liar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I, I drink alcohol. I drink caffeine on a daily basis. I'm probably addicted to caffeine. As most Americans are. Beyond that, um, hmm, I don't know. I mean, I don't have issues with people who smoke cigarettes or anything like that. I enjoy uh, uh, some tobacco now and again in the form of cigars. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I used to, but very rarely now, partake in uh, still illegal in this state. Don't tell anybody. Uh, <laughs> marijuana, which again, that that's uh, I guess we're going to get into it, but I don't see any issue with that if people want to partake in that at all. Um, beyond that, I have not done any sort of recreational drug taking in like the partying capacity or I'm hopelessly addicted to meth category <laughs> well and that, that that's that's probably one of the biggest distinctions that we probably want to bring up and we'll discuss further but you know recreational use of drugs versus you know actual problematic addiction uh i think i mean when it comes to marijuana there's no addictive qualities or chemicals to the drug itself but the addictive quality is the the lifestyle that pot can bring which is you know you love the sedentary eating, you know, munchies, et cetera, et cetera, that, that usually comes with the stereotypes of pot, uh, be, being a pothead, et cetera. But that you, you know, you can quit cold Turkey without having any withdrawal symptoms. Alcohol is a little different and alcohol, you can fully become dependent on alcohol and you can have withdrawals if not feeding yourself enough alcohol in your system. Um, same with, I mean, meth, cocaine, uh, uh nicotine in, in the form of tobacco, uh, including some of the awful, carcinogen and additives that are in cigarettes uh you know there are some naturals like american spirit or just straight up cigars that where you don't even inhale that are just you know you get a nicotine high but it's not into the levels of of this this tar infested bullshit coming out of philip morris but i don't know i i I think what's your take on you know is there what's the line is it is it different for each person is it does it depend on the culture and i think our culture is very much geared towards not allowing people to do what they want. And I don't know where my philosophy lines, like especially for hard drugs when it comes to meth or heroin, I don't know where I stand on that. But we, I think we're, we came up in this generation uh, that was very much like right on the tail end of like the, the drug war and then the, the Nancy Reagans of the eighties who are launching a, an, a whole escapade against, against drugs and 
because of that, we came up with this very like dare was very big when we were in school. It was very like, don't do drugs, kid. Say no to drugs. We, we grew up with a lot of that. So that's weirdly probably ingrained in probably both of our psyches. But as we've gone older and we understand that no, as an adult, you can make a lot of your own choices. I'm very much a part of like the bodily autonomy. Like I should be able to decide what I want to and to not put in my body and that can apply beyond just taking drugs but whether that translate into like total legalization like there's a lot of different things that can come with that positive and of course negatives there seems to be this idea of externality when it comes to taking drugs you know if if i choose as an adult to partake in heroin or meth even if i have the willpower and my physiology allows me to not become addicted to those things also i'll have the resources as a, a high functioning adult with both monetary and support systems when it comes to family and friends that many don't have. And that's usually why addiction kind of ravages someone because they don't know or have anyone to turn to or the money to get off of it. If I'm able to do that and I do become addicted or I do go down a, a, a rabbit hole because these drugs do take hold of me, does that then put a burden on not only my family or my friends, but also society? And do these laws or are, are these laws enacted in good faith to try to prevent that? I think the best telltale of, of where this doesn't work was prohibition for alcohol. Prohibition created a massive black market in the United States for, I mean, moonshine and alcohol that wasn't regulated. And, you you know, people were going blind because you could just make essentially illegal uh, Everclear. And it's it wasn't pure. Distilleries weren't under, you know, I'm not saying we should have massive government regulation to come in and like make sure everything's perfect, but there probably should be some. And, and to make to make sure that everything is, especially when you're selling to a consumer, you can't just advertise whiskey as whiskey if it's cut with turpentine to save money. That's not good. That's actually one of the, one of the regulations that came through was that you have to when you're selling alcohol, the bottle has to be clear. You have to see through the bottle so you know what you're getting, which is you know a little interesting history tidbit. But you know, is the same goes for drugs. Is have these laws had a counterproductive reaction or side effect to people taking or consuming them? If everything was just free for all, if everyone just could you could go to the local CVS and buy a vial of heroin or or cocaine. How would our culture or how would our people react? Would we would we take it more judiciously? Would we, would we have better we could discern for ourselves when and where and how much to take, especially if we knew what we were getting? Whereas a lot of times on the street, you have people who are selling heroin or even marijuana that's cut with other things that you don't know what you're getting. If you know, if you snort cocaine that isn't pure and it's cut with baby powder, that can lead to a lot of medical issues more so than cocaine itself. I would argue that even with the legalization of marijuana in some places, it's gotten to a place where it's become so competitive that it's like, oh, we have to have the most like intense, potent product. And so the marijuana of today is not like the marijuana of the 60s and 70s. Like it's so strong, it's causing people to have like psychological breaks in some cases. I don't know. Like there's also, it's so hypocritical too, because just think of all the legal drugs that have been killing people. Like the opioid crisis wasn't a result of illegal drugs, it was a result of very legal products. Basically getting lobbied through and then they're taking them to doctors, giving them kickbacks and saying, tell your patients to take these things that no matter how much you take, it's not going to harm you. And meanwhile, you have just like whole towns getting ravaged. 
by these legalized drugs and like making it illegal that's not going to help it either so yeah it's like who can you turn to to trust now that the institutions we would otherwise put our trust in have failed us you're not going to get any kind of trust in people cutting shit on the street and giving you literal poison to put in your veins it's it's so weird because society started with cigarettes were good for your health and everyone smokes a cigarette be part of the elite that smoke cigarettes it's so good for you and now we recognize that they cause cancer yet marijuana which is not addictive there's never been an overdose on record of marijuana obviously smoking anything is bad for you because your lungs are not designed to inhale uh, nothing other than oxygen right marijuana still remains a federally schedule one drug alongside cocaine and heroin and meth now it's common sense to me that that doesn't make sense should there still be maybe some scheduled, especially with the new strains and, and new types of marijuana? Maybe. I think that debate needs to be had. But for some reason, we've been incapable. And it, I don't know if it's because it's politics or it's because people don't want to admit that weed is okay because there's such a societal, you know, there's a generation that's still alive, whether it be in the form of, you know, our grandparents or, you know, their kids, the boomer generation that, that you know, oh, pot is, pot is naughty. Pot is bad. You shouldn't be doing pot. Well, I mean, but those same people are now like, you know, they're they're experiencing glaucoma or cancer pain or all these things that like marijuana like legitimately helps with helps relieve. And so that same generation would probably get a lot of benefit from these things. So we have a we have a whole regulatory system and very, very large uh, pharmaceutical companies who can sell you legitimately damaging drugs like like oxycontin meanwhile they can't a lot of places still in some places obviously medicinal in some places legalized state-wise but that you can't get like some marijuana to help with whatever you're going through so there's there's a like a weird like profit motive there still that i mean lobbying certainly helps in a lot of places and like you said with things like mushrooms psilocybin mushrooms yeah so that the studies that have been going through that like therapeutically like for mental illness uh either whether it be like depression or ptsd even mdma for that matter there being like studies shown that like these things can legitimately help people through these things and they don't have to get bogged down with like SSRIs that are also legally being pushed by pharmaceutical companies in this country. So yeah, at one point is it generations being told, oh no, say no to drugs. Meanwhile, we're all hooked on pharmaceuticals that are doing more damage to us in the long run anyway. Who who are we up against? We're up against the societal structures and, and the stigmas that have existed about drug use for the past hundreds of years. But at the same time, in the 1890s, Coca-Cola had cocaine in, 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 in their soda. So like we have this weird shift. I don't know what happened. And I think it's probably big pharma. How much of it is bad faith? How much of it is just profit driven? And how much of it is just because it's easier to have a regulated lab that makes drugs that are labeled with oxy like oxycodone oxycotton it's just it's just legal heroin that's all it is i mean i i you know should people have meth labs in their basement uh, is that safe <laughs> every month grant and i will tackle an important topic while enjoying a glass of whiskey if you don't agree with our opinions on these issues great we want to hear from you and hear your side of the story our goal is to understand different perspectives and engage in conversations that matter without regressing into the same division that exists in our hyper-partisan politics. We can and must do better in finding common ground. Discussions breed solutions, and the Cogan Conversation is a platform that welcomes to respectful discourse. If you'd like to offer your take on an upcoming issue or episode, please reach out to us on social media or head over to our website and send us a message. Little girl, you're the one girl for me.
Don't you want to know what topics are coming up and when an episode is releasing on your favorite podcast platform? Subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, following us on Spotify, and of course following us on social media helps immensely. By the way, please leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. You can also head over to our website and sign up for our email list so you never miss out on any important information or our upcoming monthly newsletter. And now, back to the show. Uh, there's no question that, I mean, uh, you know, during this podcast, we're, you know, we're having a glass of whiskey, having some conversations, and, you know, you and I aren't shy of, of, of enjoying our alcohol but or a cigar. It, it just baffles me that these t- two drugs that you and I enjoy at in a responsible way at not a very large level or amount, we can choose to do that. But there are people in states where marijuana has been legalized, fully decriminalized, fully legalized. You can buy it at a store. There are still people who are incarcerated because the law, you know, retroactively, it, it, it doesn't apply. So you're still, you're sitting in prison for an incredible, stupid sentence that doesn't make any sense. And on top of that, uh, I mean, marijuana probably isn't part of this, but for drugs that are addictive and you require rehab, you require a 12-step program if, if that if that works for you, uh, the system's not set up to help you. It, it's set up right now for you to have to seek it out and People usually have to reach rock bottom with a friend or family member dragging them to a place, you know, and that's that stigma has to be broken. Being able to ask for help, especially with when it comes to mental health, rather than self-medicating or, you know, God forbid, overdosing. I don't I don't know what I, I think. I think the bigger problem, I mean, the pain point of the conversation where this sours for I wish we had someone on the on the conversation on the on the podcast right now who just disagrees with any kind of legalization, I'd be curious to see what their biggest holdup is. So yeah, I, I'd, I'd love to have someone who is like the most anti-drug, uh, pro-dare program, pro-drug uh, war type of politician from years gone by that has enacted these laws and has been an advocate and lobbyist for the prohibition of every drug under the sun except for caffeine, tobacco, and alcohol. I'd love to hear their take and if they were would be willing in a long-form discussion to have a conversation on, you know, what's the compromise? You know, here are all these issues with the criminal justice system within mental health. I'm not saying that government needs to be the ones to solve it, but government can at least slash regulations and and help facilitate or allocate resources to, let's say, police departments to contract out nonprofits and community services to help these people who need help. Enact more drug courts, enact more, you know, homeless outreach programs, uh, officers that don't carry weapons. They just go out and discuss and say, hey, man, how's it going? And don't judge people for, you know, in their in their worst versions of themselves because they're, you know, they're they're just a, a functioning addict and they don't know how to get out of that system. I, I just I like to here presented with all those facts and figures, what would their response be? Would they dig their heels in or would they be open? And if they're open, then why hasn't that been presented that way before? Where's the hiccup in, at least in politics and at the at the higher echelon levels of decision-making? What, what's going on there? Why hasn't that happened? I, I know I can sit down with someone from, a, from an older generation, either in my family or another or not, that has this preconceived notion of drug use and, and, and whatnot, and I can probably shape their mind or at least open their mind to an idea, and they might be willing to have that conversation. But for whatever reason, there's like a miscommunication when it comes to the political level. And that makes me then assume that it's been a nefarious political game to just use people and make money off of people. And that's frustrating. So yeah, I, I guess we're just trying to feel out 
um, where we're both at in regards to whether like fully legalizing like all drugs are a thing or if like a really real conversation needs to be had about times are changing like and we've just know more than we did before so what out there should be put on the table to either like totally decriminalize what we should be legalizing like marijuana is like the number one thing it's like legal in so many states now or decriminalized and there's people languishing imprisoned for for selling some pot on the side like the people in power now have it in within their their power to to pardon these people and to put this thing on the table because i think it's like a very clear majority of people at least for marijuana specifically are like yeah legalized like this isn't this is a no-brainer stronger things we'll get into like like you were talking about mdma or psilocybin just the the studies that have been going on um and how they can be therapeutic like maybe that's a thing like maybe we're not gonna you know deschedule but we're gonna say okay in certain experimental or therapeutic medicinal instances these are things that can be employed to help people people who are addicted like don't just throw them in jail like are the people who are just starting to use these things let's not ruin their lives by just completely throwing them in a in a jail cell and locking and throwing away the key like that's not going to help anything that's only going to exacerbate and make the problem worse and i i it's i don't think it's any longer the moral position to say that that is what we should be doing yeah and and i'll add i'll add on that you know i think the philosophical debate comes with if we allow people to use drugs unfettered and they just they just they just use them at will that's one conversation. You can't have that conversation without having the other side of that coin, which is, you know, drugs are destructive. They or they can be, right? Especially if over if overused or overconsumed or or misused. So the other side of that coin is a criminal justice system. So if we allow and we were to open up the floodgates of like, all right, you know what? Maybe the best way to handle this is to not handle it and let people do what they want. And then we deal with the side effects of that after and i wish we had we could like figure out like have a case study or maybe we could employ the uh the chop or the chaz in uh in seattle and say hey you you all just do drugs however you want and we can figure out how that works you guys are going to police yourselves now oh no there's there's warlords (laughs) (laughs) yeah we have to figure out is the most effective way to deal with us on the front end or the back end and i think the front end for mental health having systems set up to help people from the beginning from the get-go making sure we're not just criminalizing people for you know arbitrary things making sure they have access to better help but if they don't need it and they just want to do cocaine once in a while on the weekends or they just want to do heroin once in a while on the weekends and they're able to not get addicted and they're able to not have an unhealthy relationship with that drug and not hurt others around them, you know, I, I think society needs to start coming to grips with that's a possibility, that 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 might be where we're headed. And maybe that's a better way to handle it is to just, hey, you know what? Those people exist. Let them do what they want. Uh, I think the market itself can probably price people out of doing horrible things. I mean, I definitely want more medicinal research. I definitely think that MDMA and DMT and LSD should be available for medical stuff like you were saying. But uh, I think the conversation needs to at least head towards the direction of autonomy and allowing people to, to, to do what they want at the same time, making sure we're employing systems that allow people to get help in less stigmatized or demonizing ways if you if you are addicted to heroin you know that's okay it's okay we're going to help you out and here's how you get help here's 37 different resources to do so and uh oh now you're better and now you're still a productive member of society and you never once touched a a jail cell that that is where we need to head with this with this 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 system but it's it's tough i mean when it comes to uh, like people having autonomy and people making their own decisions it's it's a cost benefit analysis like 
if we go this way, what it, what is are the consequences for that better or worse than what we're doing if we're going the way we've been going? And I think most people can come to the table and say, what we've been doing for the last 25, 30 years in regards to enforcing these ridiculous laws, it's it hasn't been a net positive. And so there's got to be alternatives. And yeah, we can discuss if that's just like uh, free for all. Everybody can do what they want or it's a it's a slow transition. And I mean, we've seen that in recent years with Washington state now, like pretty much everything is legal or decriminalized. So yeah, who knows? Maybe in the next two years, we'll know what kind of, that might be our case study. We'll see how that, that fares for people there. Well, I want to end with a former podcast guest that we had on a while back, uh, Archie and Messersmith Bunting. He has been doing amazing work in the mental health realm. Um, he himself is a recovering addict uh, and, and has done just amazing work sharing his story uh, and really relating to people who have similar stories to him. This is a clip from that podcast where he kind of goes into talking about how do we handle situ- with these conversations and these situations with people who, you know, aren't on the same side as us, as us or maybe don't agree or understand drug use and mental health and, and how to deal with these difficult situations. So here's Archie. So I think the second, the answer to the, your, your, your question there, and to anyone who's listening, like, how do you approach this? The only way you can approach it is with a ton of grace. That's it. Because I, and, and, and the reason I feel that, that way is because I was given so much grace. I mean, if back in my active addiction, if I could screw you out of a dollar to get more drugs, I was going to do it. If I could lie to you so that I didn't have to do something so I could get high, I was going to do it. Um, and I was given, and people, well, the people that are still in my life, I guess we should say, chose to give me grace. So who am I not to give grace to someone who actually wants to try to figure it out? This podcast is a work of passion and it's completely self-funded. We want to continue providing this platform dedicated to free thought and conversation, but we kindly ask that you show your support. Patreon isn't just a platform where you can give a small monthly donation. It also gives you exclusive access to extended, unedited episodes, bonus content, as well as creative input into whatever we cover. Being a supporter on Patreon makes you a member of the Kogan Conversation family and helps us continue this passion project. For just a few bucks a month, you can help us grow. The more we grow, the more perks can come to being a supporter on Patreon. Head over to our website and learn how you can sign up. This episode is just part one of our conversation on recreational drug use. Be sure to tune back on July 26th for part two. In the meantime, we would greatly appreciate sharing this podcast with friends and family and help spread our message of the importance of nuance and understanding. During these divisive political and social times, we want to find ways to actually have conversations without assuming the worst in each other. And what better way to do it than with a glass of whiskey? If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, follow, and share us all across social media and podcast platforms. We appreciate your listenership and can't wait to dive back into this conversation on July 26th. Thanks. I'm Alan. And I'm Grant. Thank you for listening to The Kogan Conversation. This podcast is about engaging with different perspectives, values, and ideas. We want to learn how to progress conversations on important topics without assuming the worst in each other. Each month, we will tackle a new topic while enjoying a glass of our favorite spirit and shed light on the beauty of good conversation. Until next time. Cheers.